Welcome to Guarding Your Nest Egg. Podcast. world is kind of spinning right now. The new administration changes happening day by day. But how is President Biden planning to address our country's growing federal budget deficit? He told ABC News that his plan is still what he proposed during the election. Anybody making more than $400,000 will see a small to a significant tax increase. If you make less than $400,000, you won't see one single penny in additional federal tax. Sounds like this may not impact the middle class at all. <laughs> Does anybody else want to laugh a little bit when a politician goes, um, hey, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be OK. Trust me. But it's very, very hard to take that at all seriously. And I think we all know better, right? True. And so I say that it sounds like it may not impact the middle class. It always does. And that's the point. It really is. And so, you know, how is it going to impact the middle class? So, I, you know, it's possible that, you know, the paperwork will say, hey, listen, if you're making under $400,000 a year, your taxes don't go up. But the problem is there are a lot of people out there that have businesses that are making certainly, you know, more than that that pass through. So there are mm-hmm. small businesses, which is probably the largest part of our economy uh, that gets impacted. So if you're impacting small businesses and they're having to hire people and now they're being taxed at a much, much higher rate, I mean, what do you think is going to happen to jobs? I mean, so that's yeah. potentially bad. Would you would you rather have a job and have an income that you're taxed more on or would you rather just lose your job? And I mean, that's an obvious answer. I'd rather right. have a job, but it's potentially problematic and we just have to be very, very careful. Now, now we focus on individuals that are either retired or pretty close to it. This may not have a direct impact for for many of our clients because in retirement, they typically don't have an income that is um, $400,000 or more per year because they're taking income from things like Social Security, maybe a pension, and then some income off of their portfolio. So we might be talking to somebody week after week who says something like, hey, listen, if I could have about $10,000 a month to spend, you know, after taxes, after inflation, you know, roughly $120,000 a year. That's a pretty good lifestyle for me. And when I take mm-hmm. a look at that number and I look at what Biden's talking about, that is under the $400,000 mark. Okay. But then if I take a look at everything else that's going on, it, it, it starts to become problematic because a lot of these clients are going to have individual accounts, joint accounts, trust accounts. Markets have been doing very well. If you take a look at the gains that they've potentially had over the past uh, 10, 12 years, those gains could be really, really significant. And so, you know, when he's talking to people and saying, hey, listen, don't worry, as long as you have income under $400,000, you're going to be okay. A lot of people are sitting there going, well, hey, I've got income under $400,000. I'm going to be okay. It's pretty misleading because what about your investments? Hmm. What about those gains? Because what he didn't back that up with is, oh, by the way, if you made over a million dollars that year, you're going to lose uh, a whole bunch of other things like no step up in um, basis, which is in there on, on investments passing to uh, beneficiaries. Or if you made over a million dollars, you're now taxed at a much, much higher rate. So the long-term capital gains rate is now much, much higher if you're in that situation. And again, there are individuals who are technically making less than $400,000 a year in income over that period of time, but maybe they have investments that have appreciated over a long period of time. And as we approach the next sort of you know market crash, I don't know when it's going to happen. I feel it's getting closer every day with everything that's going on. I think a lot of our clients feel the same way. But you know, would you rather sell prior to that crash or would you just like to ride it out? I think most people would like to sell prior to the crash. Well, 
there's a lot of money out there right now that would have to realize more than a million dollars in gains. And that would immediately put them in a situation where because of Biden's tax plan, instead of paying a 15 percent uh, long-term capital gain on that. They're now over a 40% long-term capital gain. So there's a lot in there that's not being talked about that if you take the time to actually do the financial planning, actually do the tax planning, do the income planning, try to figure out how this is going to impact you as an individual or yourselves as a family directly. Frankly, it's just not as simple as we're making it out to be. And Kristen, I don't think our listeners think that it is. Right. You know, when was the last time? Anything was simple that came from the government. Anything was simple that came from the government. (laughs) However, there are a lot of questions and people are just wondering. It sounds like a big change. I don't trust what he's saying. How does it impact me personally? Those are the types of questions that we can answer just by, you know, uh, sitting down at our office or through a Zoom meeting or a telephone call. People are calling us week after week to say, hey, listen, you know, Biden's president. He's got a new tax plan that's going to come out here shortly. How is that going to impact me and my family personally? Mm -hmm. Those are the questions that we're answering every week. See it both ways, the way you have it figured out and the way it looks like Biden is leading the conversation. PlanBiden.com. There's a lot of people listening right now, Mike, that are very interested in hiring a financial advisor, but they're quite afraid that they could choose the wrong one. They could pay too much, be taken advantage of, especially because you guys are not all the same. What types of financial advisors are out there and what should everyday investors listening to the radio right now, coast to coast, what should they watch out for? Well, I mean, I could give my opinion, Kristen, you know, on what people should watch out for. At the end of the day, everybody should really just work with whoever makes them feel the most comfortable. But uh, there are several types. Um, And, you know, one of the first types would be an an advisor that works off of commissions. So that would be more of a product salesperson. If you go visit them, you're probably going to hear a sales pitch. And I don't want to make that sound bad. I mean, everybody's going to walk you through their process and what they do. But if they start talking about moving you into annuities or moving you into mutual funds or moving you into REITs, real estate investment trust. I mean, these are products okay. uh, that pay commissions to advisors, and those would be more of a commission only. And that historically, that's what advisors were. You know, it was more transactional. They met with you. They gave you some advice. They got a commission, um, but they didn't really participate in anything after that. And I think service after the the sale, right, if it's hmm. a product, becomes an issue because I don't for like a lot the of- sale being involved <laughs> with my life savings, too, by the way. Well, it. That's kind of what it is, you know, and, and well, here's the thing. I mean, there, there are a lot of people out there. We meet them every week that are kind of dissatisfied with the level of service that they're getting from an advisor. And then a lot of times when we look at how the advisor recommended, you know, products or how the client is invested is typically products and the advisor was already paid. So what's their incentive to help you moving forward? It's very sure. little. Then you've got advisors that are fee only. And what it means is they only work for a fee. So if somebody says they're fee only, then they should be someone who only charges you a fee to manage your portfolio. They never ever sell you a product to get a commission. And that's fine. We see a lot of times advisors fee only, they'll charge you for a plan, right? They'll say, hey, listen, mm-hmm. that's why we talk about our, our plan that, that we do complimentary. Mm-hmm. And we do it complimentary, but we say, hey, it's a $1,500 value. Well, it's because we know that advisors are out there charging $1,500 for financial planning, which is fine. It's just that we don't charge for the financial planning. We want to provide value on the investment side of things. And then outside of that, You'd have advisors that are fee-based. And so what that means is they might make money on a fee-based basis, meaning, you know, charging you for advice or charging you for 
management of your portfolio, but then they also might help you with products that are commission-based. And so okay. what I tell all of our listeners about Talent Wealth Management, what we do and how we do it is we never want to be just on you know one side of the fence or the other, because what you find about advisors that are, if they're selling products, they're telling you everybody on the other side is bad. If they're selling fee-based only, they're telling you everybody on the other side is bad. We're here to help people make informed decisions regardless of whether or not it's fee-based, regardless of whether or not there's this product that's gonna you know, solve all of your problems. There isn't one, by the way, but you know, we're here to help individuals make informed decisions. So we fall into the fee-based category. Most of our clients pay us a fee to manage their portfolios. The majority of our business has nothing to do with products and sales of it, but there are some clients that we help with that. Mm-hmm. So we just wanna make sure that we can help as many people as possible. And if you're in a situation where you're wondering what's best for you, how can we provide value? Is there a reason to work with Talent Wealth Management? Again, it's a phone call to set up a meeting, whether that's in person or virtual, but we can explain to you exactly what we do, how we do it, and decide for yourself whether or not we can provide value. Make sure you've got the right advisor you feel comfortable with is the first thing I heard you say there, Mike, and I think that's mm-hmm. key. Beyond that, make sure you ask those questions. Empower yourself. It's okay to say, hey, how are you getting paid? And what happens with my money when you make this transaction? And there's no question that should be off the table. There was recent movement on Wall Street after the Federal Reserve announced they plan to leave interest rates alone. CNBC's Jim Cramer feels it's a mistake for investors to react by dumping stocks. Normally, when business speeds up like this, you'd expect the Federal Reserve to tap the brakes by raising interest rates. Fed Chief Jay Powell vowed not to do that, at least not anytime soon. So the Fed's basically saying, party on, industrials, which causes the hedge funds to buy them hand over fist. But problem is, if they want to buy the banks or the smokestack stocks, well, they don't have a lot of money just sitting there. They need to sell something. So what are they dumping? The high growth tech stocks that they always dump. And that's called the hedge fund playbook. I feel like somebody needs to taper his caffeine a little bit. But I mean, Jim Cramer. <laughs> well, did our listeners get all of that? I mean, I, no. did, I'm, I mean, I got it, but I had to listen very quickly. I should have slowed him down because for many investors, there is now a heightened concern over inflation. And we're hearing mm-hmm. that all of this is connected to Wall Street. What are your thoughts here? Well, Kristen, it's all in my mind, it's all math. So and everything I in your was, mind uh, is they, math, you know, all the time. And, you know, <laughs> like what makes sense? And I mean, it's not as simple as uh, two plus two is four. But I just think when things get complicated and you start to wonder, math is math and things need to add up for us. So when we listen to Jim Cramer uh, go through everything there, he's talking about things that we've seen. If you owned uh, technology, if you owned Apple, if you owned some other of these high flying companies, you got beat up here you know, recently mm-hmm. in the past month. It wasn't great for you. But if you take a look at your return over the past year, it's still pretty good, even though it got beat up over the past month or so. Now, you know, talking about inflation and things like that, again, it goes back to the math. So, yes, the government is printing, in my opinion, way, way more money than uh, they should. And yes, they don't have a plan to pay for it. And I guess they'll try to sort that out later. Mm-hmm. But right now, if we take a look at inflation, there could be inflation. I mean, th- there are certainly advertisements on television. There are certainly people out there advertising, telling people to be worried about inflation and buy gold, that sort of a thing. But what would actually have to happen long term for inflation to become a big problem? The Fed's looking at that. So when, when Kramer says, well, the Fed did not raise interest rates to try to sort of tamper the situation, mm-hmm. what that tells us, if we look at the math, is they're more worried about the back end of all of this. They're hmm. more worried about what's going to happen six months down the road, okay. one year down the road. The big picture. And that's, 
it's big picture. It's not we, well, we don't want. That's a good thing. It is a good thing, and we don't want a knee-jerk reaction really to anything, particularly when it comes to our finances, particularly when it comes to our nest egg, our life savings. So right now, if you look at the math, you say, well, all of the stimulus, all of these vaccines, you know, where is this economy, meaning our economy here in the U.S., and then potentially the world economy, likely to become summertime, hmm. right? Probably pretty good. Probably, I don't know, but probably most people have had vaccines. Probably people have money in their pockets. Probably people are going back to work. Things look pretty good, at least in the short term. Mm -hmm. But I would guess, and again, I don't work for the Fed, they're more worried about, so after we get the stimulus, after people go to work, after you know we've got the vaccines out there, what now? What then? Are mm -hmm. people going to continue to work? What happens if they raise taxes? How do we pay for all of this? The back end of this is what concerns me. So right now, I wouldn't want a sort of knee-jerk reaction. We want to you know just jump out of this market because we're afraid it's going to be horrible in the near future. It probably isn't in the near future. And hey, listen, that's my job managing clients' portfolios. We work with individuals that are retired or pretty close to it. They're obviously looking to us for advice um, week after week, month after month. You know, right now, it's things are probably going to be pretty good. But if that changes, right, we're going to make changes to the portfolios very quickly. And that's what active management is all about. So right now, I'd say inflation might be an issue, but we would need the economy to continue after the stimulus, after hmm. the vaccines. The spending rate would have to continue after that. And I think that the Fed is a little nervous that it might not, which is why they don't want to raise interest rates just yet. I mean, the Fed is in charge of the money supply, right? Is right. it easy money? Or is it difficult to get money? They want money to be very easy to get, meaning low interest rates if they want to stimulate the economy. If they want to slow the economy down because of inflation, they're going to raise interest rates and make it harder to get. Right now, the Fed's looking at this thing going, hey, listen, we don't trust it. We don't trust the fact that after all the stimulus, after all the vaccines, you know, we're going to knock it out of the park. And we should be looking at that right now going, okay, well, maybe inflation isn't going to be a big deal just yet. Maybe equities or stocks are going to do well here in the um, sort of short term, but just be ready. And that's what I would explain to people that are invested on your retirement plans, on your 401ks, on your 403bs. We're taking care of this for our clients, right? They've hired us to manage mm -hmm. their portfolios. They've hired us to pull them out of markets. If it looks like to us, things are going to get real nasty. But if you haven't hired somebody to manage your portfolio, keep a close eye on this. Keep a watch. Understand probabilities moving forward. Be a smarter investor. There's no thing is being able to time markets, but you can be smarter about it. So right now, makes sense that markets probably do well for a little bit, but I think you got to have your finger on the button to you know, more or less eject you know, mm -hmm. and get out. But the question is when, and we're watching that very, very closely for our clients. And if you want more information about that, we'll be more than happy to share our thoughts, more than happy to do some financial planning, more than happy to do analysis for you. And we do it for you complimentary. Common sense investing, tactical management. Where do you stand with your money now and moving forward with all of these what ifs? Reach out for that CFP complete financial plan, guardingyournestegg.com. The pandemic has taken a financial toll on many Americans. In fact, a recent survey by Personal Capital reveals that almost 24% of Americans decreased retirement contributions during the pandemic. But according to the same survey, Mike, savers in their 60s had an average retirement plan balance at the end of 2020 around $597,000. So does that mean that those near retirees in that survey are in a pretty good place to wrap up their careers? 
Well, the silver lining to 2020 was markets did pretty well, right? I mean, we had a ton of drama, politics, pandemics, all kinds of stuff going on, just a (laughs) lot. Yeah, it was a terrible year. I don't think any of us want to go back and recreate it again, but, but we would like to have our portfolios perform as well as they did in 2020, despite everything that was going on. So it's not shocking that uh, people that are in their 60s are looking at, you know, potentially all time highs in Mm -hmm. their portfolios or close to it. But then we're talking to people in their 60s week after week, day after day, and they're very, very concerned about the future, very concerned about things we've talked about on the program already today, you know, tax changes, pandemic, spending, what's likely to happen in the next six months to a year with markets and everything else. I mean, you have to be, and that's why we encourage individuals just understand your portfolio, understand your investments, understand what they're likely to do moving forward. Maybe that $600,000 is enough for you. Maybe there's more to be done. Go to guardingyournestegg.com. But believe it or not, a lot of people were able to considerably cut their credit card debt last year. You know, we heard about how many Americans were suffering. A lot of Americans really buckled up. According to a study from personal finance website WalletHub, Americans collectively got rid of a record $82.9 billion in credit card debt. Congratulations to any of you that that affects. It's more than noteworthy because consumers have typically added an average of $54 billion in credit card debt every year for the past decade. Raises an interesting question. Being debt free when we stop working, is that a must do? Well, it's not a must do, but you got to look at it in terms of your overall financial plan. You know, right now, Kristen, money's cheap. You and I were talking before the program about how you just refinanced uh, your mortgage and you got a great rate. I mean, uh, like under two and a half percent. I mean, that's phenomenal. That's very, very cheap money. And again, look at everything that's going on in politics with stimulus and everything else. Are rates likely to be that low in the future? Probably not. In financial services or in the financial industry, we call that leverage. Mm -hmm. So we'd say, listen, how much money should I borrow against how much you know, should I own outright? Because if you can borrow money very, very cheaply and have that money work for you in a capacity where you're earning more than what you would be paying in interest on that particular loan, whether it's immediately or whether it's long-term appreciation on an investment, leverage makes sense. So right now we're talking individuals that, you know, honestly, some people feel like, hey, listen, I'd be way, way more comfortable in retirement if I didn't have any debt. So I wanna make sure that I don't owe any money on my house. I wanna Mm -hmm. make sure I don't owe any money on credit cards. I wanna make sure I don't owe any money on my cars. You know, that makes sense. But we're also working with clients who are looking at these low interest rates I think of some clients of mine, uh, Jason and Mary, they're currently building a new home. Now, fortunately, they they started this process about a year ago mm. when lumber prices were lower. Yeah. That's, gotten, that's a whole nother topic. But um, they've been clients for a while and we continued to update their financial plan. So they wanted to build a second home and we had to find out whether or not that second home was going to be affordable for them. Certainly, we're looking at their investments, their average rates of return, how much risk they're taking. We're looking at their sources of income. We're, I mean, we're just big picture looking at everything. Jason just kept asking, hey, listen, so if I do this or if the house is this much, can we make it work? And the answer in their case was was yes. But a big part of that was because interest rates are so low. Hmm. So the question was, Mike, do I pull the money out of my portfolio and pay for the new home or should I finance? In their situation, it made sense to finance. Now, you know, Jason was comfortable with financing the mortgage. Not everybody would be, but again, leverage. Mm -hmm. Why take a lump sum of money and pay off the house even though he could? 
in their situation because they were going to need income for over a long period of time. He could get a very, very low interest rate on a very long-term mortgage on a house that he and his wife aren't probably going to live in for the rest of right. their life, right? So it makes sense right now. And, and, and Kristen, this is, I think, the point to make here is financial planning is so individualized mm-hmm. to the individual or to the couple or to the family and what their long-term goals and objectives are. And I find week after week, as we talk to people, a lot of times people just, they want answers to questions exactly like Jason's question. Hey, listen, this is how much money I have. This is what I have in income. How do I need to invest my money to accomplish my goals long-term moving forward? And by the way, if I buy this house, how is that going to impact me? That's real life, right? That's everyday life. And it's our job to walk our clients through that. So part of my real life in this conversation, I think I told you the other day that I am refinancing my home and your first reaction was, oh my gosh, Kristen, the rates have gone back up. That's not good. Mm -hmm. I said, no, no, no. Here's the really good yet frustrating news. Everyone tried to refinance at the same time. So loan processors were overwhelmed and it's taken my process six months, but they held my interest rate. Good job. And I'm also shortening the years on my house that I owe. Now, I'm not near retirement or anything. It's just you talk about making sure the math works out. The math worked out for me. And so being a little less in debt sounds like a good thing to me on most days. (laughs) But like you said, it depends on the situation and everyone is in a different one. But you listening, if you're near retirement or already there, if you have a goal to be debt free before you stop working, before you make that decision, Have Mike and the team at Talon Wealth Management help you do the math. According to Neil Cavuto on Fox Business, Bitcoin is becoming more accepted by institutions on Wall Street. So does that mean that individual investors should take it more seriously? Not exactly trading like a regular stock, but um, it is trading like more of a stock. I'm talking about Bitcoin. When we would routinely talk about Bitcoin swings, of course, they'd be you know, 20, 30 percent or more in a single day. This average just over, you know, the last month or so here, a very little that would hit you as like, my gosh, I'm on a roller coaster. It's certainly not a smooth ride, but it is maybe a reminder that it's either getting respectability or calmer, cooler hands are involved. I am willing to add, though, that it is not an investment for the faint of hearts. Bitcoin ATMs, interestingly enough, are now Mm -hmm. popping up in every state, except for Alaska (laughs) and Washington, D.C. Mike, how would you summarize this phenomenon? And that's the only thing I know to call it that is gaining more interest every single day. This whole Bitcoin blockchain crypto life. Well, I think we should categorize it as something that's here to stay. I think certainly in the future, currency probably is digital. I don't think that we should assume that we're going to have paper dollars in our wallet forever and maybe not even credit cards. You know, a lot of the Bitcoin stuff obviously is digital. So you're using your, your cell phone and, you know, for the transaction. But the other thing that we should not assume is that uh, there's only going to be sort of one currency. There could be several. That is just uh, crazy that we live in a day and age of where this is possible. It is. and But at the same time, don't us- I mean, right now, uh, these digital currencies are operating without any government sort of interaction right right? so they aren't governed or regulated and let's not make the assumption that they won't be regulated at some point in the future and so i think of bitcoin or any currency because we do get this question you know from time to time i think of as very speculative right now not because it's not here to stay but because the valuation of it is very hard to speculate given that at some point in time 
governments probably come in to regulate it. I mean, think about it, just common sense. Why would they allow currency, mm-hmm. which is what makes you know the world go around, to go unregulated? And so I think of Bitcoin as a bit of a, uh, a hot potato. Hmm. You just think of that game and, and you're passing it and passing it and passing it. I mean, do you want to be stuck holding the potato on any kind of digital currency when the music stops? And, and right. to me, the music stops when governments come out, hey, we're going to regulate it. Hey, there's an issue. And I just caution people to be careful. Obviously, some traders are making money. I think they're telling you when they're making money. They're not telling you when they're losing money. Should it be a part of an overall financial plan right now for people that are retired or pretty close to it? Probably not, right? You might have an account on the side that you're trading it in to be speculative, but just understand what your money is likely to do for you moving forward. And there's no way to understand that with digital currency. You can't say where Bitcoin's going to be a week from now, much less six months from now. And so we got to be careful. We put together actively managed tactical plans that are designed to help our clients certainly participate in markets when they're doing well, but we also want to protect our clients' money when they're doing poorly. It's our job to provide value. If we can show you how to get a higher average rate of return net of fees, we're providing value. If we can't do that, it doesn't make any sense to work with us. And so if you have questions about anything that we're talking about, We'll schedule an appointment for you. This is Guarding Your Nest Egg with Mike Lester. Catch up and interact with the show anytime at guardingyournestegg.com. Mike Lester is a registered representative of and offers securities through World Equity Group, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services offered through Retirement Wealth Advisors. Talent Wealth Management and Retirement Wealth Advisors are separate entities and are not owned or controlled by World Equity Group, Inc. Mike Lester is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors, Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Talent Wealth Management, Retirement Wealth Advisors, and this radio station are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer to only fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by Retirement Wealth Advisors. Florida license number D056341. California license number 0N00828.